everyone and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today we are speaking to Rachel from HaloFi. Uh, Rachel has been working, uh, you know, in the Web3 space for a little while now. And earlier she was uh, working in, uh, at, you know, Web2 as DevRel. And uh, even before that, uh, she was working as a secondary school teacher. So she's had quite a journey. And it's always very exciting to meet uh, fellow founders and talk to them, uh, ideate with them about the platforms they are building that have real use cases. This was a very interesting conversation, deep diving into various aspects of HaloFi and their new product, uh, you know, that they have just recently launched that has seen uh, lots of users save uh, a lot of money. Uh, in crypto. So a very exciting conversation indeed. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Let's deep dive right in. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for making the time to speak to me today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for inviting me on, Teresha. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be on here today. Uh, super busy, as I imagine you are, um, but very good and, and lots of exciting things uh, in the pipeline. Excellent. And we would like to know all about that. So for our listeners, uh, can you tell us a little about your background and how you got into Web3? Yeah, of course. So uh, my background was actually in development and then later in developer relations. So if you're not familiar with developer relations, it's sort of the marketing side of marketing developer yeah. products to developers. Um, right. So I worked for a, a number of, um, a couple of um, Web3 crypto projects, um, also some Web2 uh, more traditional um, tech companies, Twilio. Um, and yeah, prior to that, I was a JavaScript developer, uh, working a lot with React and, and some Node. And then actually in another lifetime before that, I actually used to be a secondary school teacher. So I've had quite a few different wow. um, roles, experiences, but somehow they all tie together in the end. Um, I think yeah. there's definitely lots of skills you pick up along the way, but um, yeah, quite a quite a wealth of different experience really that sounds very diverse and very uh obviously like you said it's all kind of tied up in the end but how did you uh you know take the leap from say you know a secondary school teacher then to devrel and then now into web3 as yeah a founder? um no it's an interesting interesting question so i did come via development so i i was a teacher um but i i was actually teaching my undergrad degree is in geography so i was teaching that but um the school i was teaching at they also got me to teach uh, graphic design and i really enjoyed the kind of creative design aspect of that um so it sort of occurred to me that maybe programming would be a, a good way that I could kind of get the creative aspect of, of building stuff um, and maybe, you know, get some more hard skills along along uh, along the same process. So I, did, I left teaching and then I did a boot camp back in 2015. And from that, I did a few years working as a developer. Um, but I think it also got into, I also got into developer relations partly because of my background in teaching, because right. a lot of what you do in DevRel is, is communication, creating tutorials, um, you're mm. dealing with people a lot. So it was actually quite a nice fit between uh, my previous experience and and the technical knowledge that I, that I had uh, acquired. Yeah, absolutely. I think that seems very, uh, you know, logical because as a dev, you're not just, you're, because in, in order to market it to uh, devs, any kind of a product, you need to understand it well and you need to be able to explain it well. And you can only do that, uh, you know, when you, you come from a background where, where patience is key perhaps, uh, you know, so so that you can put your point across uh, firmly, but uh, in a way that, that would make it clear, mm. especially with zero to one products, right? No, definitely. And I think, you know, for me, having that technical background, even now when I'm, 
I do sometimes write code, but it, it, it's rare. It'd be more of a prototype or, or something quickly. But having this kind of background uh, really does help with the understanding of like how you stitch things together, thinking about architecture, thinking about APIs, SDKs. Um, so for me, getting that boot camp and getting those um, you know, years of, of working as a developer was actually really, really foundational in helping me kind of grow in tech, essentially. Right, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree, I think. So, you know, when you started working in DevRel, was that in a Web2 company or was that in a, a Web3 company? It's actually in a Web3 company, but I okay. got into DevRel when I was kind of unofficially when I was working at a Web2 company because I started to host meetups and talk at events. So sort of kind of transitionary, but the first kind of paid job was in a in a in a web two company in a web three company. Oh, okay. And uh would you can you can you mind telling us like uh, about that company and how was your experience there? Yeah, so I worked uh for a company um called Lisk. They are a blockchain project. Um hmm. they um building a kind of JavaScript um client blockchain um based out of Berlin. Uh so I learned a bunch of stuff around they are delegated proof of stake. So I learned a lot about the kind of community governance aspect. Um, definitely when you're DevRel, you're very community facing. Uh, so that was like really fascinating to see. Um, and yeah, it was just like a good good way for me to start uh, working in the space of, of crypto and Web3. But I, I'd already been involved um, in my kind of spare time for about a, almost a year before that. So this mm. is um, I got in in 2017. Um, right. I think it's quite in that kind of bull runs pull people in. Um, hmm. And then I started working full time in 2018. Wow. Okay. And, you know, I, I'm very, usually I'm very curious about people who kind of work initially in Web3 and then uh, Web2, and I'm sorry, then move to uh, Web3. And yours is a journey pretty much like that. So how did you make that leap? Mm, mm. I think for me, it was quite a nice transition because the Web2 company I was working for when I started to host meetups and using their space to do that was an identity company. So even though they were Web2, they worked a lot with like crypto exchanges, providing like identity KYC solutions. And there was quite a lot of people within that company who were uh, quite interested in crypto so hmm. and I think they were also working on a decentralized identity research project as well so there was actually kind of a bit of an overlap in in the in the kind of web 2 space and um, the web 3 space that it kind of got me in um, but I would say it's yeah it's quite a it's quite different in the sense that obviously when you work in web 3 you have this kind of two-way engagement with the community that you really just don't have the kind of relationship with your users is very different when you're in Web 2 versus right. um, Web 3. Yeah, that is absolutely true. So uh, can you uh, tell us perhaps how was, was this a bit of a cultural shock to you? Uh, like, you know, the way the communication changes uh, in, in Web 2 versus Web 3 with the community or with your uh, you know, potential users. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was, for me, it wasn't a huge culture shift because I had also, by this point, I'd been in the Web3 community. So I'd been in, you know, right. Discord yeah. and Rocket Chat and Reddit, et cetera. 
but I think obviously it kind of scales up when you're doing it full time. Um, mm. Especially, I think for me, when you go through the kind of market cycle from 2017 into 2018, it's like a very different sentiment in the community. Um, so I think that's definitely something that you, you know, you get exposed to, like, uh, no matter what you're kind of doing in the space. Um, so I think that was, you know, a different experience. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's like, you know, the community, it does bring a lot of opportunities. It's great mm. for like having that dialogue, um, getting user feedback, kind of co-creating and building. Um, but of course, like, you know, it does require some, you know, kind of thought about how you approach things and you know how how does it you know there's 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 always like um, a kind of relationship that you are building with with the community and the community members absolutely i think uh, that is the most imperative thing that you know you're constantly sort of building uh, an engagement and a relationship with these uh, potential community you know users who are actually your community members at the moment and that is what kind of sets Web three apart from a uh, web two. So just so that I, you know, if to understand if I'm getting it right, you were initially working for a company that were also dabbling in web three, and that is how you got introduced to web three. Or were you already dabbling with the tech uh, before you know coming in contact with uh, your team who were look creating a VID product among other things? Yeah, so it's almost like the web two company I was working for. I think at that point they didn't, or I still think to this day they don't have any production web three um products or code but because they deal with identity a lot of their you know clients and 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 business dev work would be with exchanges crypto exchanges so there was like a uh kind of relationship with the industry um right. but actually during that time i did also start to you know work with remix start deploying like solidity erc20 um contracts um just starting to learn some of the basics around uh like kind of evm uh, development um and there was a few developers um from that uh, company who are also kind of going on that journey at the same time um i think also like you know obviously when it is a kind of a buzzy time in crypto people kind of get in and, and get excited about it yeah absolutely i think yeah that is when it's most noisy and that is what kind of draws the crowds mostly uh, not always the good kind but uh yeah so, you know a lot of builders get encouraged as well but a lot of speculators uh get encouraged at that time as well so now yeah I was to, definitely yeah. um during that time I, I I bought a bit of crypto at the beginning of that year obviously it's nice to see it go up in price but typically right. I yeah. I was naive and didn't sell it so I did yeah. become I think there's that meme about I'm in it for the tech right and then I was yeah. like no 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 I'm learning <laughs> I'm learning solidity. I'm in it for the tech. It doesn't matter. Um, so I was that. Right. <laughs> a lot of us are, I think. Uh, we all become that meme at some point or the other. You stay for as long as, uh, you know, the long-term builders stay in crypto. Uh, I think all of us are a meme at some point then. <laughs> that mm. same meme. Yeah. So uh, now coming to what you're doing currently, uh, can you tell us a little about uh, HeroFi and, uh, you know, what you're building? Because uh, the premise itself is very very exciting and I'll, I'll tell you why once you tell me how you got around to building it and what the platform does yeah so at HaloFi we're all about you know making it easy for people to to save with crypto uh, get hmm. the benefits of um, DeFi and, and yield on stable tokens but doing it in a really accessible and um, you know mobile friendly way uh, it's our vision really to build crypto that almost not building for degens, building for like non-degens, building for yeah. I don't know, more reg regular people. Um, 
so we have a, a product that we launched uh, back in November. It's called Halify Safe. We've been around actually for almost three years. So we have another product called Halify Challenges. But I think it's most interesting for me today to talk about uh, our new product, which is Halify Safe. And okay. this is a yeah, it's, it's a, a mobile friendly um, interface into into DeFi. So you can go go there. You can easily top up. Uh, we work with various different fiat on ramping partners, um, and then get access to um, earning like APY earning yield on uh, dollar peg stable tokens. Um, we hmm. also make it easy for people to kind of set goals and save towards a goal. So it's almost a little bit like sort of the fintech like challenger bank interface into saving with stable tokens um so really that is our mission to help make um this more accessible i think mm. if you go to you know you can go to a lot of the DeFi interfaces if you already have like metamask set up and you're familiar with them and you know you've done your research on things like impermanent loss and you understand the risk but for like 90 percent of the population they they don't have time to do that and it's like yeah. too many too many overheads so we want to smooth that out make it easier for people to get going um and hopefully you know just make the benefits uh more readily available to you know a much wider audience of people right no i think that is very very important right because we need to cater for uh, you know people other than legions as well because that's otherwise going to be a very very small user base like you mentioned and uh making DeFi accessible i think is key for uh you know reaching anywhere close to mass adoption that we keep talking about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no definitely definitely and i think for for, you know, for most people, like even setting up a wallet can be tricky and it's very daunting. It's yeah, very daunting. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really exciting to see there's a lot of innovation coming, things like account abstraction, making it easier for people to get going. Um, we work with a number of different wallet, wallet partners who've done a great job of the UX. Um, and, you know, it, it's getting there. It's definitely improving every day. Uh, but, you know, as those of us who work in the industry, we know how hard it is to make a seamless, you know, user experience uh, using this technology. Hmm. Um, so it's definitely a sort of ongoing process, uh, but I see, you know, I see it getting better each each month, really, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there is a lot of uh, work that is happening on that and a lot of builders are trying to solve that problem of accessibility and making it more easier, making sure that the user interface is actually usable and it's not uh, intimidating for any user because ultimately I think we're all building for the future where in users using decentralized applications don't even have to really care about what is happening in the background and they're using it pretty much akin to web 2 applications and uh, not necessarily do everyone understand how you know the web 2 applications work and how does the internet work but everybody's on it anyway mm -hmm. no I, I definitely agree with that and I think it's sort of there's a little bit of a little bit of an art of like simplifying it enough to to give that experience but yeah at the same time um so what we try to do is we have like sort of advanced tabs and areas that we could put more of the maybe more of the complex stuff like links to smart contract addresses etc because we also feel like we don't want to hide that completely away from all users right because yeah if you are curious enough and and some users do want to um really dig into the details of this and and as they should you know do your own research i i definitely agree with that um ethos of making that available to to the wider like user group uh but then it 
it's not for all users. You know, some users want to get going, try something out. Maybe they're going to put a small amount in, see how they go first. Um, but still having the underlying technology transparent and um, open for people to to dig into if they really want to get into the weeds of that. I think it's kind of the the mixing of these two things like together, like that's kind of gets us into um, something that's usable, but also sticks to the original values that we're we're trying to build for. Absolutely, I think that is very very important. So when when I say that okay, we want to work for the future and we want to build where the user is not only are perhaps aware of the intricacies of Web three, I'm just trying to you know put forward that it should be easy. Like my parents mm. perhaps or my grandparents, right? They they are online. They're using say applications like WhatsApp, but they perhaps are not the most tech savvy. And uh, at least and nevertheless they are on it. So I I would like to see a future like that uh, for decentralized applications. Obviously still upholding the ethos of open uh, source technology and decentralized technology. That that goes without saying. Hundred mm-hmm, percent. So uh, you know talking a little more about uh, the platform Halofi, can you perhaps tell us uh, like the user flow if somebody wants to sign up right now on the platform what are the kind of uh, features that they can utilize and uh, how does it uh, you know work in general if, if somebody is coming on the platform to sign yeah so with halofi save um you can go to save.halofi.me and you can mm. connect um your wallet we support pretty much most of the wallets and have wallet connect we also quite excitingly we've um just the beginning of this year we've launched a partnership with a uh, mini pay opera's um wallet which they and speaking about um usability they've done a fantastic job of um, building out a very user-friendly wallet that is all centered around stable tokens so you can pay gas in stable tokens you can send it to um, people's numbers and it's sort of baked in into the opera uh, browser in like a number of uh, locations so it's really really amazing work that they've done um, and we are one of the kind of first created uh, apps or dApps on there um, for for savings so you can if you are a mini pay user and, and they've launched this across I think the, the key regions are like Nigeria Kenya and and Ghana um, if you're a user there you can come via mini pay and, and then dive into to, to halo five save but however you reach our app you're going to get um the same experience where you can um either start depositing um and we have just an easy way for you to track and you you can actually see your interest go up in in real time uh we are getting underneath we are getting yield from a protocol called mula which is a lending and borrowing protocol on cello um so you can deposit your cello dollar cusd into there we also allow users to set a goal so maybe you're saving for a house or a holiday a phone etc then you can put in the amount that you want to save and it will show you your progress um, along towards that goal and we also have like a kind of email reminder system so just giving you that nudge to to make those deposits you know uh, monthly um, so that's what we have at the moment with Halo 5 save um, yeah. it's the um, it's the kind of first iteration of the of the product that we've launched um, we will have more uh, features coming in the future um, and then we also have another product which is called Halo 5 Challenges which was our original product and that's still right. around saving but it's actually around like gamified savings so we have essentially smart contracts that ask you to make a weekly or monthly deposit and as long as you hit deposits in, in that challenge we call it so maybe you need to make four weekly deposits um, into that as long as you make the deposits again we're using similar sorts of yield sources so Mula we also work with Ave on, on Polygon and uh, Base as well um, and Curve and then um, as long as you hit the goals you get the interest um, if you missed a deposit so maybe uh, you only did two out of four then you would your you'd still get back your principal if you wait to the end but the uh, yield 
that your deposits generated will go to the people who did complete their saving goals. So these are kind of the two, two products we have at the moment. One is more focused on gamification and incentivization. And one is just more focused on really easily being able to like hop on and, and start depositing and making those savings. So it's kind of different focus, uh, but the same mission to kind of, you know, basically empower people to use crypto to kind of grow their personal wealth. That is cool. That is so cool. It's, it's wonderful. I think uh, that, you know, these real use cases are being executed perfectly. And, uh, you know, more for RTU you guys, you, you guys have uh, the app for being a part of like the 50 most used apps, I think, on um, like various aggregated tools as uh, well as, you know, you, you help your users save uh, over, I think, $4 million, right? Dollars. Uh, and this is something mm. that we've picked up from your website. Uh, it's impressive. But, uh, you know, can you tell us like a little bit about the response from the users? And if you could share like a success story or a feedback that has really stood out for you uh, while while building Nilofi? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to think of something specific. We have... Um... The four million that's been saved, that's gone through our, our Halo Five challenges saving smart contracts. So we we track that. Um, we have some users that are very uh, with that. They're very regular, and actually, it's quite interesting when we look into the stats. I think around like eighty-five to ninety percent of people are hitting their goals, which to me feels quite high compared to sort of at least when you know when you casually set your own goals yourself. Like more than often, I actually do forget to to deposit for them. Um, yeah. So we are seeing like uh, people being very very, um, you know, very diligent with it. We also had a bunch of like, you know, I think one of the fun things about being a Web3 product is, you know, you get community memes, you get uh, community artwork. We used to create a lot of NFT giveaways and we had some really amazing submissions, 3D artwork uh, made by our community. So that was amazing to see. Um, and then recently um, with our, so with our new product, uh, Halo 5 Save, we got a bunch of really good feedback. We actually went out to um, to, to Lagos in Nigeria, uh, where we've been launching the product. Um, we ran some user testing. Um, obviously, you get a bunch of actionable improvements, which is what you want. But uh, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. And we even had some uh, community member who traveled a 10-hour round trip to come and do some user testing for us, which is very incredible to see. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a really positive response from the community. Right. This is this is wonderful. Uh, but, you know, you, you've seen such a... But, you know, honestly, I'm not surprised. I think any kind of a good use case and being executed well, uh, it would see stickiness from the users and the users will keep coming back to it. Now, let's talk a little about the challenges. Uh, you know, are there any specific challenges that you face in building and growing uh, specifically mm. the community and the product and how have you been able to overcome them? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you're building any new product, there's like a whole host of different, you know, challenges that you that you face. Um, yeah. One is like, of course, like building something that people actually want and need. Um, so that is kind of, you know, just looking at, do you have product market fit? Um, is your application usable? So as I mentioned, we've done a bunch of like user testing. Um, our kind of community moderator, I think is, is doing them every week, a session as well. Um, um, we also uh, we're quite we're quite on our analytics, so we're constantly looking at like user flows through the app. Um, we can even see some of the how users are using our application, so we're constantly looking at that and trying to figure out does our application, um, you know, 
is it solving a real need? And then are we doing it in a way that's usable and makes sense to, to the users? Um, so that's definitely a challenge. Um, and it's just, you know, ongoing work that you have to do. And I think, yeah. of course, like growth and um, getting awareness for your product is always, always again, like a, a challenge that any new product and business have. Um, we've been very lucky in our partnerships. So most recently, our partnership with uh, Opera Mini Pay has brought us a, a whole host of different users. And then even with Halo 5 challenges, we found that sort of doing partnerships and, and cross-marketing was actually very effective. Um, we right. did a bunch of partnerships with like Avagotchi um, and, you know, like Cello, Polygon, uh, a whole Comet, a whole host of different, everything from NFT projects to, you know, blockchain protocols to, to a whole a whole range of different stuff. Um, and I think one of the nice things about the space is you do have these like highly engaged community members who really want to try out new products and and will also recommend you to we've been recommended to connect with other projects via community members so they can actually be acting as advocates for you which is quite incredible um but um you know so that's definitely something that you know has been you know it's a Helpful challenge to the community yeah, it's about community. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, obviously, like there's typical problems, like, you know, just hiring the best talent, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, you've got like, you know, always when you're building a new product, you're always like juggling a lot of things, like growing a team, <laughs> fundraising, building the product. So there's always a whole there's always something. Yeah, there's a fire every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah, really... yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think definitely as a founder, you sort of being able to make quick decisions and yeah. get the data you need and also like getting enough data to make a decision is also another thing and kind of being able to make those decisions quickly I think is is something that you learn to do yeah I, I think that is that is absolutely true it's like uh, I think one of the better things that a founder can do is have clarity and be able to take quick decisions because uh, there is it's it's a dynamic space and when you're especially starting off and you know your project uh, or your product is still um you're, I think it's a ever dynamic sort of a process. I think the product, you know, you're always iterating, adding something. So your ability to be clear and to take quick action, I think that that really takes you very far. Mm, mm, definitely, definitely. I think startups are all about speed, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Big, bigger companies, they have resource, right? But uh, yeah. it can't be simple. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So tell me one more thing. Like, uh, you know, as a founder, uh, I, I'm curious how did you get your initial traction like if you had to give some advice to somebody who's working and to build a product in DeFi, uh how what was the inflection point for you in reaching that traction initially it you know you cannot really gamify a community when uh how do you start from zero yeah yeah how do you start from zero and you know when when it's basically I don't want to hear about the financial incentive aspects because if, if there are any in your, in your campaigns, because that is, that is some tried and tested stuff. But did you do something out of the box to, uh, you know, really get the community going and get that initial traction? Yeah. So there's a couple of things we did that worked well for, for us because there's, I definitely know what you mean. There's that sort of awkward phase when you don't have anyone in your discord or like, yeah. you know, and you can't really create content when there's no audience, right? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, How do you even know what they want, right? Because there's nobody there. So yeah, you're creating content, and you know, it's it's like a, a you know trial and error sort of a phase. You know, you're making it, but you don't know what would work. Yeah, and you're kind of in a room talking to yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Though we did uh, when we, right when we very started, we did a Gitcoin grant, um, which was actually quite a okay. nice way. And that I helps. would recommend. Yeah. Um, it's a good way to kind of track you know, test um, interest in your uh, product concept. Um, so we got a bunch of um, kind of, we actually got a bunch of uh, donors from that and then community members. 
And then also um, we had quite a fun little kind of mini viral or viral kind of campaign that was based off a quiz, um, which we did right at the beginning of, I think it was like March, 2021. Um, mm. And that, I think it really did capture the imagination of people on, on Twitter. And we, we went from like 500 to over 3000 members in our discord uh, from that quiz alone. Um, which takes, I think these kind of sort of viral campaigns, creating content, creating um, these kind of quizzes, like you never quite know what's going to work until you put it out there. And it can take a bunch of time. I think we spent about a week creating this like quiz content because making it funny and something that people want to engage with is, you know, you've got to be a bit thoughtful about it. Um, But I think, and then it also depends on where you are in the market cycle. So something that works at, you know, the beginning of a bull run is not necessarily going to work when you're deep in the bear. Um, Mm. So It's kind of, you know, timing, I think is important. Um, And like kind of, but I think all of this stuff, it kind of, the more stuff you try, the more likely you are to get a good outcome because you don't know until you try if it's going to work. And it could be, you know, maybe a quiz does work maybe it's a partnership maybe it's this um so the more stuff you try the more likelihood of you um getting something successful and I would say also the other thing is like partnerships are are very good as well um I guess like you know when we're doing this uh collaboration on on this podcast um I think one of the nice things about the web3 space is overall people are very collaborative and Mm. sort of a case of kind of growing the pie together you know um yeah so I think it's it's a lot less you there's much there's many more opportunities for collaboration than maybe you might get in in kind of traditional tech Um, and I think that's definitely something to to lean into if you're new in the space yeah I, I think so too i think just reaching out and perhaps uh collaborating finding common grounds where you can add value uh to other platforms and other founders that can be extremely helpful because again the space is very small and usually people more often than not uh everybody is like very helpful and they want to sort of as you said grow the pie together uh and that that becomes like the very foundation on which you can sort of and becomes a stepping stone for you to perhaps grow your community or just kickstart things so that's a wonderful answer. Now let's let's look a little. Um, for, you know, I would like to actually ask this as well. Like, how do you perhaps study trends, and how do you decide which features are going to go onto your, uh, you know, on the platform? Do you do you keep like an open communication with the community on that uh, particular facet as well, or is it more of an internal discussion that you have and decide that okay, this is what you're going to be pushing out next, and uh, this is how we are staying ahead of the curve in the space? Yeah, so it's a good question. Um, so we we do, you know, of course, as a team, we're talking about this a lot. We're also, you know, speaking to uh, you know our advisors, investors, etc. Um, but we do, um, we will like question the community members and stuff. Sometimes we'll like put out a quick like. I'm quite fond of doing a little kind of quick emoji vote on on Discord um, and then even having conversations with um, community members. We do a bunch of user testing, which I think is really useful for seeing how how people are using your application and and what is the stumbling block blocks right. there. Um, also, like when we've been at in person events, we can kind of see that. Um, so one of the a couple of things that we prioritized um, end of last year was uh, fear on ramping, and then we also have and we do have this a little bit of we haven't announced it yet, but we do have account abstraction uh, coming soon, so you'll be able to like. Wow into halo fire using your gmail account which will be amazing wow, that, the- that is so cool yeah no it's going to be great I'm, I'm really excited for it um because one of the things that we noticed when we were at the booth and this is at east safari in in kenya is that 
you know, people are coming up and they they see the value proposition of of saving in in dollars and getting yield on it. It's, it's very clear, um, yeah. and they're excited by it. But you know, they don't have a wallet or they don't have any crypto. So these kind of and and these are the stuff that you you know it's an issue, but yeah. when you're there in person, it just reminds you. You know, so you're yeah. like, okay, no, this is actually a really big problem. I need to prioritize this over like whatever cool new feature I want to put. That's you know maybe more interesting to me as a you know, a heavy DeFi user. Um, so I think always speaking to the community, um, I think there's something that people say when you're speaking to users, um, it's sort of listen for the pain points, but not necessarily the solutions, which I mm. think can be a good way to approach it because, um, you know, it's also that balance of you have deep context of the, the product as a builder. Um, and people, you're going to get a lot of suggestions about what to build, but kind of understanding why somebody wants that um, and what is the pain point, um, I think is potentially more useful than, you know, getting a million more feature suggestions. And, and one thing I have to push back on quite a lot, and we get this all the time, and community members will probably hate me for this, but dark mode. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, yeah. I know it's nice. And like, we will we will put it there, like when we just have but like a bit it of- It can't be the highest priority. Yeah. It's a nice priority but like yeah so kind of weighing up these kind of com- competing demands all the time right yeah yeah no i think uh, you know more than uh, the aesthetics of it obviously the aesthetics matter and you know the user experience uh, definitely is is paramount but uh, that it's very important for as a founder to be able to take that call you know how are you going to be prioritizing these features and what uh, making sure that you know, you're using the resources at your disposal most efficiently, uh, and I, I think uh, that 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 can be a, a little bit of a, a line to toe. But uh, you know, I think good good founders that are able to create sustainable brands and that that are scaling successfully, they're able to do that very well. Mm, mm, definitely. So tell us a little about your team, and uh, you know, are you guys? Is is it like a remote? system that you have or do you guys have offices uh, tell us a little about that no we are remote so i mm. We have a we do have a few people in the same country um right. i actually don't think we have anyone in the same city um but um i'm based out of london uh my co-founder francis he's based out of new york uh we have team members you know very distributed we have um brazil um nigeria ghana kenya wow nice very distributed i think that is just how things are uh, after covid and also in web3 in general and uh, I, I think uh, it's wonderful because, you know, you, geography uh, does no longer uh, seem like a problem, especially, you know, when you are looking to hire good talent. No, definitely. And um, yeah, being able to have that kind of global pool of talent to hire from um, yeah. it's is, a is really exciting. Yeah. yeah, especially for us, because we are building for well, we're building for a global audience, but also we have at the moment, we do have a focus on um, like Nigeria, Kenya and, and Ghana. Um, right. So having team members out there um, who have knowledge of the the market and uh, mm. the you know, the problem space there, I think, is really invaluable. And I think right. with crypto at the moment, especially when we talk about sort of consumer use cases and real use cases, I think almost like we're going to see a lot of that innovation come from outside of like Europe and America because people are, um, you know, there are real problems with, you know, payment infrastructure, um being getting access to finance etc and people are really finding creative solutions to that and there's a lot of innovation going on you know just outside of places that maybe you know typically have more funding and um you know more established uh, tech communities yeah no absolutely i think this would have been my next question i would have uh, because you know you're building for the world and you're building in the DeFi space uh, compliance 
can at times uh, and you know just making sure that you are on the right side of the law because with different jurisdictions comes like different kinds of compliance that you might have to adhere to or follow uh, if at all the case is is that is that in any way a challenge for you guys and is that how you are perhaps deciding on which countries to roll out your services in first uh, or or focus on which countries yeah so it's not actually for us it's not really been I mean, obviously, we, you know, we look at um, like the legal um, situation and stay on the right side of the law. But for us, it's more of like, where can we add value to our users? And where can we see a really solid use case for for our product? Um, Mm. Because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to build for for just DGENs or, you know, people who there's a lot of products out there. And there's nothing wrong with them, because I think a lot of these products have brought a huge amount of innovation to the space also. but, you know, the main user group are people who maybe got into crypto early and have a very high net worth, et cetera. And, you know, for the, these users, like throwing around like 10K is like not a big deal, right? Or they can spend all day like yield farming, et cetera. Um, and, you know, trading NFTs, et cetera, whatever, whatever is the, the kind of zeitgeisty thing to do. Um, but we wanted to, because we want to really kind of, help onboard people to crypto who aren't in the space and then also use crypto to solve um you know, real problems and, and really help people kind of build their wealth with crypto for us it's like finding that uh finding the right um way to use crypto that is actually going to be yeah. adding value um yeah. and not just sort of not just a game um is kind of really important to us and i think this is kind of why we have a focus on this region of the world at the moment because you know we really do see that it is actually you can use crypto to build a, you know, more transparent, um, you know, a more integrated financial system and actually help people get exposure to financial tools that they wouldn't otherwise be able to access. Right. I think that that is that is absolutely key there. Uh, so now, you know, talking a little about the future, what are the kind of bigger milestones that you're looking forward for uh, with Halo Fi? Like I, uh, you, you did mention account abstraction as something that you know is coming up and I'm so glad that you shared it with our listeners and everybody must be really excited about it but is there any other bigger milestone that you know you're looking at uh, which really excites you? Uh, yeah so this is a good question uh, I mean of course beginning of the year we've been doing a bunch of uh, roadmap planning uh, and, and everything there are some things that I, I really can't mention uh, that are in the roadmap uh, but you know account abstraction is very much coming soon .tm uh, but uh, we're, we're close <laughs> to finalizing that um, yeah. we will also be one of our priorities is to uh, get a wider range of like yield sources so um, that users have more uh, variety in, in what um, yield and return that they can get on their on their crypto. Also looking at ways that we can maybe bring a little bit of gamification into Halo Fire Save and, and kind of make it rewarding to users in that way. Um, we are constantly doing user testing. So we've got um, improvements to our UI coming almost weekly, definitely monthly. Mm. Um, so that's an ongoing thing. Um, um, but uh, yeah, we do have some quite exciting things in, in the pipeline, but I, I can't mention them just yet, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we will be waiting for your next update uh, with bated breath because what you're building is very exciting and as I said, this is something that I feel more excited about because I think uh, it's so important that uh, use cases be created around real problems that people have and uh, with, with real users who are perhaps uh, able to utilize that platform for, for their own age, for their, you know, to solve their own problem without any financial incentive 
external financial incentive perhaps so uh, more power to you really Rachel uh, this is wonderful awesome well thank you thank you no it's uh that's great to hear it's very very kind of you so uh, you know I I would love to know a little more from you and now we're zooming out a little bit about just the market in general what, what is your take on how where the markets stand right now and mm. uh, what what do you think is going to be one of the driving factors uh, or a few driving factors? I think everybody says that the Bitcoin halving is going to be a driving factor for the next bull run. Uh, but apart from, you know, that, what what do you think it could take for the market to pull out of uh, where it is right now? It's doing uh, relatively better, but uh, nevertheless. Yeah. So, of course, you know, this is the billion dollar question, right? Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, the Bitcoin halving is a big one. Of course, we've also, you know, seen the Bitcoin ETF. Um, whether more ETFs come onto onto the marketplace, I think that will be a definitely a big thing for driving growth in, um, well, I guess, in Europe and America. Um, I'm really interested in seeing the uh, evolution of like the real world asset space. So, uh, you know, bonds and and shares, etc., coming onto on on chain. I think something that we're looking at is how can we get our users more exposure to. Um, yield from from real world assets because I think that is is very compelling to to users who kind of want to see what the yield is backed up from. Um, so that's super exciting. Um, what will be driving it? Like I couldn't quite say, uh, but I think you know obviously we do have big institutions coming on, um, and you know we do we are seeing things getting increasingly tokenized. So I think maybe we're actually going to go a little bit. I mean I know that end of the last bull run it became very nft driven i'm not hmm. sure I, i'm i'm not sure if that will be quite the narrative of the next one and maybe it is going to be more around the kind of financialization of of um bringing real world assets on chain and then also bringing on-chain assets into the real world via etfs etc yeah i think that is one uh you know real world asset organization has just gained like a little traction now i think more people are talking about it uh obviously this, it's been around for a while but more and more people are taking interest in it and uh especially with the etf coming in perhaps you know how these two can uh intersect uh it would be interesting to see and i think it would have uh, bigger ramifications as well mm, mm, definitely definitely but um like you know it's always a difficult question right it always the market cycle does always surprise you a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you NFTs should never coming. try to time it. Yeah. I did exactly. not see NFTs did. coming as big as they did. So yeah, same I'm often here. Wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Same here. I've I've actually stopped. Like I I think as when I started off, I used to try to time the market, but that was stupid of me. Um, but uh, now I don't do that, and uh, you know, completely agree on the NFTs. But I did not uh, see that as well. Like I I used to really. Uh, think not very fondly of NFTs when they had initially come around with the crypto kiddies and you know just the digital art aspect of it. Uh, but uh, as we move forward, and obviously even that became very big, but and I couldn't understand uh, for a large long time as to why uh, you know it gaining the kind of traction it was. But now you know with NFTs, we're seeing so many use cases. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful to see that kind of evolution that has it, that has happened. No, definitely, and I think I guess with NFTs, and I'm I'm less in the NFT space, but like seeing this kind of merger of like internet culture and nfts is 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 really creative to see like what comes out of that and that's quite fascinating um uh, i also think it's going to be an interesting time for like DAOs and and more kind of established um that process becoming more mature and i think we've you know we've seen this with like the evolution of like delegates etc um and i think that will be an interesting one um to see as well um so yeah like it's going to be definitely will be an interesting time and i feel 
and I know touch wood hopefully things slowly getting better you know yeah absolutely you and me both we are both hoping for that so yes to uh perhaps that and you know with that um i i would like to perhaps uh, come to the last few questions uh, because we're running out of time we're already over time actually uh but i would just love to know um as uh, somebody who's been in this space for a while and you know you've also done the teaching bit what are the kind of resources uh, that you would recommend uh, to uh, builders and uh, you know who who are just starting off perhaps in web3 this is a good question um and i think it's always changing a lot i definitely yeah, would say very dynamic very dynamic anyone who's getting into web3 especially if you're coming from a web2 background um and even my knowledge on this is going to be a little bit out of date because i haven't been learning solidity for quite a while now um but like you definitely I definitely found like, for example, when you step into the space, things like documentation are not going to be as comprehensive and as uh, mm. battle tested as you would get with yeah, Web2 products. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, what I would say to counterbalance that is the upside that you have is that there is an amazing community and amazing developer communities. So there's a number of different um, discords that I was in. Um, I'm, I'm using them less now, but certainly when we're building the early prototypes of uh, Halify and Good Ghosting, um, that I could jump in there and be like, oh, like, um, I don't know why it's doing this. And somebody would actually answer my question and, and give me help and support on that. Um, and I think definitely if you are working with, and if you're building on whatever blockchain, Celo, or if you're building with, with whichever protocol, SDK, they all have discords and channels and and be prepared to go into those and, and ask um, and if something's not working in the tutorial or the documentation ask about it because it's probably like stuff moves fast and it's probably out of date uh, so that would be my number one like approach to learning in this space is is be hungry and ask a lot um, I'm just trying to think um, yeah I think for me I, there was a number of channels that I use but um, actually I'm, I'm my mind is uh, a little bit foggy this morning I need another cup of coffee but um <laughs> Things like going to a hackathon, I think, is a great way to get yeah. uh, indoctrinated into the space and then meet a lot of people. And even that's how we, the actual original idea of, of Halify came from an ETH Global Hackathon uh, back in 2020. So many exciting things can come out of hackathons, even company formation. Absolutely. I think that is uh, very, very true. Hackathons can be great places to really start off, kick off, or just uh, build your idea initially. And uh, even, you know, if you're foggy, happens to the best of us, by the way. Uh, that, is, that is absolutely okay. I think you did give some really good recommendations. Uh, so, uh, Rachel, again, I'm very, very grateful that you, can know, uh, you could do this call and uh, record this podcast with me. Um, before we wrap this up, uh, I would like to merge the last two questions. This is something, uh, you know, you've kind of already covered in this conversation. And this is something I ask everybody who comes on the show, uh, and especially people who've come from Web2. Uh, what would be your two suggestions for people to start living on blockchain? And, uh, you know, any parting words before we wrap this up? Yeah, so I would just say try things out. Uh, I yeah. think it's always good to get a little bit of a test wallet, pull a small amount of Ethereum or whichever. I mean, maybe experimenting on Ethereum is pretty expensive these days with gas, so pick a low gas blockchain. Um, yeah. Try out um, apps, dApps, um, and if you're going to, a lot of the time you can even find like boilerplate for what you need to deploy. So, you know, Open Zeppelin have a bunch of um, ERC-20 contracts, basically any kind of standard contract they, they have there, which you can deploy, deploy it to a test net as well. And then 
you can mess around with the parameters and 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 learn and there's no risk of losing any real real value um so that would be my first one and yeah just chat to people go to events um follow on twitter i know twitter can be a bit chaotic but i think it's still probably the best place to keep up to date with uh, industry uh, trends and, and news um yeah so really that's that's my advice yeah i think that's that's really great advice and uh, before we wrap this up rachel uh any any parting thoughts uh no just that i'm i'm very excited that we're actually kind of entering a new a new era for crypto and a, a new stage where we're you know focusing on building value for for users it's also exciting that I think we had a stage where there was a lot of focus on infrastructure and and that has been good because we've seen more infrastructure come out but of course as building a consumer product I'm, I'm glad to see that now uh, building for consumers starting to have a little bit of airtime again um, and actually trying to find those uh, products that do have product market fit and give their users real value. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, building in crypto has, or Web3 is has basically different eras. I think, you know, you're initially everybody was working on uh, different things and then people were working very heavily on infrastructure. And then there was the NFT boom and a slight derailment with perhaps, you know, um, how everybody wanted to use uh, machine language and uh, a little bit of AI here and there. And now I think, uh, we seem to be a little right on track uh, with with the utility products and consumer facing products, which will actually really help in building the ecosystem further. Definitely, definitely, I'm I'm very excited about this. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much once again, Rachel, for taking out the time to speak to me. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. And thank you so much for having me. It's uh, likewise been a great conversation on my end. So excited about it.